Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you once again live here from sunny central Florida, right here in Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have everyone here with us today. If you are joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, you can actually go to our website, which Deb is putting up on the screen at www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com. And you can get more information on the ministry of Raven Ministries International. We're not just located right here in Florida, but we're actually all scattered across the United States and into Canada as well. Matter of fact, you'll see Wanda Lynn there on the screen. She and her husband, uh, Ed, actually head up our Raven Canada ministry out of Ontario, Port Perry, Ontario, Canada as well. So she's with us on a daily basis. It's so good to have her and, and uh, other teams from across the United States as well here with us on a daily basis. So we do welcome you and thank you for coming and letting us be a part of your day as we come to get into the Word of God. What we do is we're here every morning, Monday through Friday, for an hour-long expository teaching on the Word of God. And currently we're in the midst of a, uh, of a uh, what is it so far, Deb? This is our 155th class on the book of Romans. And so we've been uh, diving into the, the book of Romans. And I love the book of Romans because really it's a, it really provides this kind of an encapsulated look and what we call the Magna Carta of the New Covenant. And so uh, with our study in the book of Romans, and really it's, it, I wouldn't call it as, as much uh, tedious as I would uh, expository, Be- because of this the nature of what it provides and how it gives us an opportunity to really get into the Word and really know not just about the Word of God, but to know the Word of God. But if you've missed that and you want these previous classes, please email us at raven, R-A-V-E-N, at biggrace.com, and we would be glad to send you an audio DVD that you can play on your computer of all the previous classes in their entirety and have those. And so we'll make those available to you. Or, and plus, come back and stick around on our live classes. You get to be a part of the last, uh, what, five and a half chapters that we're studying out as well and uh, another hundred hours or so of, of teaching on the book of Romans. I, I say that, but really, when you get down to it, there's, there's folks that have been here. You see Raven Deb there and you see uh, uh, Lucy there. These guys have been with us and Robin, I believe, and Pastor Terry and Eileen and different ones that have been with us for the for all these hours. Uh, uh, Emo Eyes, uh, which is uh, actually Megan. Uh, many of these folks have been here from from the the onset, and you know it's really passed quite quickly. But in uh, as a result, it really gives you a foundation. That way, when you begin to look at the Word, you see it in a, in a whole different light. And so, thank you so much for coming and being a part of this. And once again, if you want the, the previous classes in their entirety, please email us at raven at biggrace.com and we'll be glad to send those things to you. As well as we we pray for you on a daily basis uh, and uh, we gather together on Tuesday nights for our Raven Nation program. If you have prayer requests, please send those to us. You don't have to wait till a, a special time or a special prayer thing. Send those to us and we'll have those and we'll pray for those at pray at biggrace.com, P-R-A-Y at biggrace.com. And we wanted to stand in agreement with you in prayer. And uh, we'll pass those to you. If you ask us to pray for you, uh, chances are periodically we'll send prayer requests to you as well that you can stand with us in that because I, I believe this is a day and age where we're going to have to completely depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ more and more in the area of prayer and just believing and hearing from God as we uh, uh, we commune with Him because there's such deception that is coming to land unless you can have a a uh, ongoing um, really dialogue with with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords you'll find yourself in a trap and, and deceived so once again if you have prayer requests send those to pray at biggrace.com if you'd like previous classes you can send uh, a request to raven at biggrace.com we're going to be working on actually we're re-archiving all of our our files. On a different, uh, in a different format, not a different electronic format, it's still going to be MP3, but in a different formatted uh, website. So you can actually go in and pull these classes off uh, uh, and, and listen to them and download those onto your computer. It's just going to be kind of a tedious process because obviously there are 155 hours so far of those classes, but we're going to have those up in the next uh, week or so and make those available to you. So you can download those, burn them on a CD, whatever you need to do to make them available uh, for your study and for your listening pleasure as well. Da, 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 da. Praise God for it. But once again, good to have you today. We love you and we appreciate you and glad that you got here today. So we're going to pray this morning and just ask for God's blessing and direction on this. There, there's some, there's sometimes when, when uh, there's things that need to be brought out that really you, you, almost, you have to get the mind of Christ to understand them. 
They, they really are. And, and, and sometimes it, it's, it's easy if, if you have an understanding or if God's given you uh, kind of the insight on it and it just clicks. It's easy to sometimes think, well, why don't you get it? But I, I don't ever fall into that trap because I know sometimes how difficult it was for me as I was beating my head against the table saying, God, I just don't get this. You're going to have to, to, to give me some clarity on it. So we're going to pray that God will just sovereignly give us the clarity and uh and the ability to really comprehend it, to ingest His Word, because sometimes there is so much, there is a lot, and, and we tease about this being kind of the fastest hour on the internet, and, and it probably is, uh, partway because it's, it's, it is just an hour, secondly because probably I, I talk at a very rapid rate anyway, so you're going to have to get it, and we, and we intentionally put a whole lot of information into a short amount of time. I mean, if, uh, with as much information as we cover, there, there is so much more that we could actually cover. We've done, you know, 155 hours uh, as of the end of today, but it, it could be 10 times that much. It really could, because there's certain times we just, you just almost have to move on uh, uh, in order to, to cover some ground, but not because you've exhausted all the information God has. So, uh, what we want to do is set a basis for you to go back and do your own studies as well. Acts 17:11 talks about the, the the Bereans who were more noble than the Thessalonians. It says they received the word daily. Or readily from Paul, but they search the scriptures themselves to see if it was so. And so, what I'm hopeful for is that this isn't it for you. That this is just the the basis. Is this just a spark that God uses for you to get in the Word of God? It's all because by no means is is this the the totality of what God has for you. By no means do, do we say that we 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 know it all. And I, I was talking to a brother in the Lord last night, and I said, "Listen, you don't have to know everything. You just need to know what you know real good." And so, I believe as as you get into it and you allow God to just take and to sift you with His Word and to begin to encourage you and build you up in His Word. He's going to give you a basis for everything else. That way when some erroneous teaching comes down the pike, it bumps into truth. Or, or, or some situation comes into your life, it bumps into truth. And you've got to have that basis in your life in, in order to be built up in your faith. Because faith comes by hearing, you know, and hearing by the Word of God. So we're going to pray that you'll get that understanding on it. Plus we're going to pray for the sick today and different ones. Uh, I've got a prayer request right here from, from Robin Dykes. Pray for her, uh, her sister-in-law, Christy. Drinking again last night. Daughter country is getting baptized Sunday, but she is against it and doesn't think she's ready. And they ministered to her last night. So you see situations like this that God has got to come through for families and do that. So we're going to pray today for that. And we're also going to be praying for the, the sick and those that have had some physical maladies as well. Because we believe that we have a healing and a restorative Jesus who, who's come to touch our hearts and lives. So Father, we come to you right now in the precious name of your son Jesus. And Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, that... That you're here. Lord God, that we don't have to, to conjure anything up. We don't have to create some type of spiritual ambiance. That, Lord God, you're here by, by virtue of your children being here. And it's your desire, Lord God. Father, it delights me even as I say that. That you, you want to be where we are, Lord God. Even as, as there's people in our lives, our friends, our family, the body of Christ. Lord God, that, that, that we, because we love them, we love that fellowship, we always want to be next to them. We want to be by them, Lord God. And, and Father, your love for us, Lord God, is so uh, supersedes. That and so you have a desire, Lord God, to have fellowship with us to, to such a degree, Lord God, that, that 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 you became like us and you you took on, Lord God, the the, uh, the a physical body in the incarnation. You became God with us, Lord God, uh, to, to to be with us, God with us. And Father, even before the fall, that that we 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 love your word when 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 you walked, Lord God, with with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. It's always been your desire to have fellowship with us, Lord God, and that just that just blesses me so much today, Lord God, to know that you love me and that you desire, Lord God, to, to, to commune and to convene with me, Lord God, because of your great love for me. And so, Father, we come today with, with just an adoration of you, with just an, a, 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 a love for you, Lord God, because of that, that way you first loved us, Lord God, and that you showed us that, that you we're your beloved, Lord God, we're the apple of your eye, Lord God. Uh, when you look upon us, Lord God, you, you, you look upon us, Lord God, with, with a great love, Lord God, and a great desire to have fellowship with you. Lord God, so we come today. Not by our own works of righteousness, Lord God. But we come, Lord God, because of the righteousness that came into our life through faith. 
And your son Jesus, Lord God, who come in, Lord God, and, and, and restored and healed and saved, Lord God, as we came in faith, Lord God, in repentance unto salvation. And so, Lord God, we come today, Lord God, as children, Lord God, as, as children that, that need understanding, Lord God, as children, Lord God, that, that need direction, Lord God, as children, Lord God, that, that need you to speak into our hearts and lives, Lord God, and each and every one. Father, I know there's some out there today, Lord God, that have felt distance from you, Lord God. And, and Father, I pray right now, even as we speak, Lord God, even as we speak live, Lord God, God, in this forum today, and even as others, Lord God, would, 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 would listen to these, Lord God, in, in, in the late format, I, I pray, Lord God, that there would just be a, a, a sweet manifestation of your presence, Lord God, that you would just, just show your people, Lord God, just your, your tremendous desire to have fellowship, Lord God, and that you are, are bringing a restoration in that, Lord God, when we'll just humble ourselves and, and seek your face, Lord God, and turn from our wicked ways, that, that you'll heal our land, Lord God, that you desire to come back and to, and to restore us in right standing with you. And so, Father, I pray for those that have been struggling, Lord God, in those areas. That today, Lord Jesus, that, that the guilt and the shame, Lord God, and the condemnation of the flesh, Lord God, would be destroyed, Lord God, because of the blood of Jesus. And Father, I pray for those that have been sick in body, and I ask today, Lord God, that your mercy, Lord God, and your power and your goodness and your majesty, Lord God, would be poured out upon them, Lord God, in, in the name of Jesus. I pray for those that have been sick, Lord God, and it would, with diseases, and those who have been sick with, with the flu viruses, or Lord God, whatever it may be that's attacking their body. Lord God, we, we pray, Lord God, that by the stripes of Jesus, they, they have been healed, Lord God. Father, we ask, Lord God, and, and I'm, I'm immediately, Lord God, just reminded of, of when, 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 when Jesus, Lord God, was, was there praying for the sick, and, and, and they, uh, they marveled at his words, and, but they began to say to themselves, well, we, we, we know him, and they began to, to speak about their familiarity with his family, and it said that, that, that because of their doubt and unbelief, not many miracles were done, so he had to go outside the walls of the city to heal the sick, Lord God. We don't want you to ever, Lord God, have to go outside the walls of our city. We want you to be able to, to heal in our midst. We want you to be able to speak in our midst. We want you to be able to talk in our midst, Lord God. All those things, we want to be able to see them in our midst. And Lord God, and, and, and to be able to, to live a life devoid of fear, doubt, and unbelief, Lord Jesus. So come in and touch and heal, Lord God. In our midst today in Jesus' name. Father, we just ask, Lord God, for other issues of healing, restoration, relationships, Lord God, circumstances. We're just asking today, Lord God, that you would begin to do that work of power and majesty, Lord God. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise be unto God. Folks, listen, he, he desires fellowship with you. I think sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that, that, uh, that... That, that he desires to dwell with you and, and you with him. And, and think about how, how he, can't, he really took out all the stops for it. And I hope sometimes, I think one of the most difficult things for people in the, in, in the Christian faith is to, to realize just how much God loves you. And, you know, uh, certainly we, we preach holiness, we preach repentance, but all that stuff is it was given for one reason. For you to be able to see and to experience for eternity the love of God. Folks, one day when every tear is wiped from your eye, one day when you don't have the daily struggle and the, uh, of the daily menstruations of a, of a daily life, listen, you're not going to have to worry about those other things. You're not going to have to worry about uh, uh, living a repentant life. You're not going to have to worry about all these things. Why? Because it's going to be part of your, your nature that has been restored because of, of where you are with Christ Jesus for eternity, that, that, that sin and death and destruction are going to be bound up. And because of the, of the, of the, the atoning work of the cross of Calvary, th those things will, will never be a part of you again, that we're going to enjoy that, that, that fellowship for, 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 the, for the timeless future, period, without end. And so, folks, listen, that's what he's bringing us to. And that's why we, we go through all these things now, so we can enjoy that, just that, that, that splendor of the promises of God for all eternity. So I, I, pray, I, I hope that you can, you can get to that point, that it's not, you know, it seems sometimes tedious, it seems tiresome and laborsome in this life. But listen, folks, this is just for a little while. It really is. And, and I want you to stay encouraged. And I know for me, I just, all these things, I don't, I don't want to get caught up in the cares of this world. I don't want to get caught up in the, in the, in the temporal things of, of the flesh. Why? Because they will wear you out. Folks, listen, this is just temporary. And if I can just endure, you know, sorrow may endure for a night. That night for you may be uh, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. But if you'll endure for a night, i got news for you. If, you're, if your faith in that endurance is in Christ Jesus, joy comes in the morning. That you may sow in tears. You may have to sow in, in trials and tribulations in a job you don't like or, or in difficulties in relationships. But, but if you sow in tears, you're going to reap in that joy. And it's going to be a joy unspeakable and full of the glory of God. 
of God. That that has that's what God has for us. And you know, I, I had somebody ask me recently and said, "So you think any of that will ever happen again?" You look at uh, the situation with when when Lucifer fell and uh, and a third of the angels fell with him. And somebody asked me one time, they said, "So what's going to keep that from happening again?" Have you ever wondered that? I know some people probably have. Could it could it ever happen again? Could another third of the angels rebel? You know what's going to keep that? And, and you probably don't even realize this, or maybe some of you do. Why that will not happen again? You know what? The, the same thing that restores us to relationship with Him is going to keep it from happening again. And you know what that is? It's called the cross. I think sometimes we forget the benefits of the cross. We just think of the benefits of the cross as that He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, that He was chastisement for our, our peace, and, the, and, and our, by our stripes were healed. But folks, you know what that does? The, the cross of Calvary, even though you had these angelic hosts that had been uh, with Him for eons, and, 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 and they'd, they'd seen the righteousness and holiness of God, until the cross, they could never themselves even grasp the love and really what that meant. They, they did not have the comprehension. But because the angels had, had, had seen the, 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 the uh, they had seen the Godhead, they had seen the function of it prior to the incarnation. When the incarnation happened, you, you look at the, 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 the glory that went forth and the angels crying out when, when Jesus came in the incarnation when he was born. Why was that? Because they saw that act of love. They saw that God was willing to, to leave that his, his, his throne in glory and come down and dwell and to suffer those things. They, even the, even the atonement, even the, 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 the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not only does it serve as atonement for us, but it serves as a marker and it serves as a testimony to the angels. Not the fallen angels, they're already filled. And not a salvation to the angels, but it served as a testimony to the angelic host of heaven that they finally saw something that truly demonstrated the, the, the love of God to a degree that even when they saw the holiness and the power of God for, for age, uh, time, age past, they could not comprehend it. Folks, listen, the cross is the thing that everything is points at. That's why Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, he said, I'm determined not to know anything but, the, the, but Christ and Him crucified. Why? Because he saw everything that hinged upon that one solitary act of righteousness. It's going to serve as that, that, that beacon of light forever. Just point to the cross. If there was a, a, a rebellion that was going to rise, point to the cross. If there's a struggle in your life, point to the cross. That's why the scripture tells us even now, and we see it in a microcosm. What's the question? Can we pray for Jen right now? She, you know our new friend Jen? Yeah, our new friend Jen. Folks, listen, we, we record this, this class live, but in live, we're not so caught up in just flowing in it. We're going to get back to this. But, but really, it's about real people in real, a real situation. And so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pause. And I'm not even going to, we won't even cut this out of the, the recording. But we're going to pray for Jen today. Uh, because uh, Deb's telling me that there's a situation where her husband told her today that he wants to separate. And so we're going to pray in the name of Jesus for God to do a miracle in Jen's life. And so I'm going to ask all of you that are, that are with us today. Some of you know exactly. Some of you have been on the edge of divorce. Some of you have been on the edge of separation. Some of you have even suffered those things. And so today, just as Jesus stood in the gap for us, we're going to stand in the gap for her. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for Jen, Lord God. Father, I pray for, for this woman of faith that desires to serve you, Lord God, to know you. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, against this the work of the adversary and, and discouragement, Lord God. And, and I pray... Lord God, right now, Father, that you will cause, Lord God, a joy unspeakable and full of glory to come upon her. Father, I pray for her husband right now in Jesus' name. And I'm asking you, Lord God, Father, to turn his heart towards you. I'm asking you, Lord God, to break, Lord God, the bondage of the adversary. I'm open, asking that you would open his eyes to the truth. I'm asking you, Lord God, that you would just reveal yourself and your character, Lord God, to him in a powerful way. Lord God, I'm asking you to convict him of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, Lord God. Father, the word tells us, Lord God, for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave yourself for it, Lord God. Father, I want you to show him, Lord God, your great love for him. Father, that, that, that he might see that, Lord God, is, a, is really the laboratory, Lord God, for of his love for his wife. Father, I break, Lord God, any offenses, any divisions, any schisms that have been in this family. And I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would obliterate those things and you would cancel those things out. Father, words that were hurtful, Lord God, words of condemnation, Lord God, words of destruction, Lord God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that their effects would be canceled, Lord God, for Jen and her husband right now. And Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just begin, Father, to do a miracle, Lord God, that Father, you would encourage her, Lord God, that she would know that there's a greater reality than what she sees or 
even what her husband is doing, and that is what you have said. And you said what God has joined together, let no man put asunder, Lord God. And I pray right now that you would just strengthen her, encourage her, Lord God, build her up in her faith, Lord God, that regardless of, the, of, of, of what's happening, Lord God, she will not be uh, reactive towards it, Lord God, but she instead will be responsive to your voice. She wouldn't react to his sin, but she would respond to your righteousness, Lord God. Father, the word says that a kind word turns away wrath. And I pray, Lord God, that she would not, Father, as the word says, that a, that a foolish woman tears down her home with her own hands, that, Father, she would bridle her tongue in this time, Lord God, and she would speak life over her husband, Lord God. She would speak, Lord God, life over her marriage. She would speak encouragement in that in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that she would be strengthened, Lord God, in the power of your might. And, Father, we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. You know, we were praying this past week, and uh, when we were here in town and, and, and our gathering here locally, and Pastor uh, Monzel, who uh, is right here, you see him as Raven, South Florida. Pastor Monzel, he's got the whole name out there today. Anyway, one of the things he felt like the Lord was telling him to pray for marriages, and uh, and so I, I believe that was really when he spoke. He really spoke that prophetic because you, you see that with Jen that joins us here and different ones, and so uh, I believe that really the he, God was just hipping him to say, let's. Uh, Let's let's really get on the offensive because there's going to be some people that are within our ranks and then people that join us here in this teaching that are really going to need that. And we need to be mindful of that. And I really want to encourage you that. Don't just stop here as we're praying for Jen, but also uh, pray for others and just keep that before you, your own marriage and others as well. And, and stand in the gap for those that are that are suffering and having some difficult times. And so, Jen, we want to keep you in prayer. We keep lifting you up. We're going to pray for your, your husband as well. What's your husband's name? Can we get that printed? Because I want to, I want to continue to pray for him. By name as well. So if you'll put that up there, we'll write that down. And we'll pray for your, you and your husband and your marriage by name. And just believe God's going to do a miracle in it. Praise God. Folks, that's really what it's all about. And that's why we teach the Word. We teach the Word so we can apply the Word. And Dennis is what, uh, what Jen's husband's name is, Dennis. And so really what he came for is for that type of restoration. And so we want to preach the Word, but we want to apply the Word as well. And... Uh, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God, knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. And so God is concerned about Jen, and so are we. Folks, yesterday we, uh, we were in the midst of really uh, a very important discussion on, on Romans chapter 11, verse 12 as well. I want to give a shout-out to my buddy uh, uh, Steve Ignowski, Iggy right there. Uh, he kind of helped get this whole recording aspect of this started last year, so I, I thank him for that. His work schedule don't allow him to be here uh, every day or as often as he'd probably like or he was before, but, man, it's always good to have that brother. He does a tremendous ministry up there in northern Indiana in jails, prison, detention centers. So I'll keep that brother in, in prayer as well because he's doing some, some neat stuff. And I think I'm going to see him. I'll hang out with him. He's going to be with us, I believe, in, in New York. And he's got some folks that want to be with us New York uh, for the New York outreach, which is May 22nd through 26th. So I'll drop that bug in your as well, but good to, good to see you, brother, and give Jody uh, our love, and uh, God bless you on that new house I noticed that you got from your, your uh, website. Praise God that you all are getting that or moving into it as well, so love you guys. Uh, so folks, listen, yesterday we were in a really an important discussion on Romans eleven twelve, which says, uh, now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? And we talked about this a couple of days ago, just about when we talked about the, the, the fall of them being the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles. Folks, in this we left off discussing how that God really had yelled, yielded a very real dominion over to Adam in the garden. When he, when, and when Adam fell, really, he, he, he yielded his dominion over to the devil in the sense that Satan now had a certain type of power over mankind because of the, of the fact that man, through the act of his own free will, had submitted to a nature outside the divine nature of God. Folks, listen, when, when, when Adam fell, the, the, he fell... And, but what was what was in his hands, what was in his authority, so to speak, was this dominion. And so when God told him, he said, I, I give you dominion over all the birds of the air. I give you uh, the dominion over the fish of the sea. I give you the dominion over everything that, that crawls upon the ground. God really means that. And so, folks, when God speaks, and here's what you've got to understand. I think sometimes even as believers that, 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 that love the Word, that read the Word, I think so many times that we, uh, we forget that when God says something, He's not a man that He should lie. That God does not offer just a, a suggestion. or not, God's not what we used to call as kids, Indian givers. When, when God gives you something, when God yields something to us, He really does do that. And so, when, when God, and, and, his, and too, you'll see it so many times in the Word. If, if He says, listen, if, if, uh, 
If you do this, then I'll do that. He really does mean that. But if you don't do this, here's the consequences as well. You know, I think so many times about uh, about the Revelation and Jesus giving the, the book of Revelation. And Jesus saying, listen, if you do these things to over, overcome, I will not blot your name out of the Lamb's book of life. And, you know, you'll talk to people and say, well, God would never do that. God would never block. Well, God is not going to make idle threats. Do you hear me? When God speaks, God speaks uh, in righteousness. God speaks in truth. God speaks in, in totality. And there's no deviation in the things that he does. And so when God yielded dominion to, to Adam in the garden and gave him that responsibility, it was very real dominion. It was very real power. And to the point, to the point that he gave him the authority and the dominion and the responsibility to name all these things. Do you see what you're saying? And so when God gives you dominion over something, God also gives you the ability to function within the parameters of that dominion. And so if God has given you the victory, how many times have you said, you know what, I thank God that you have given me the victory. And so if God has genuinely given you the victory, then God has genuinely given you the ability to walk out the victory. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? And so if you cease to walk out the victory, that means that you are yielding over your dominion to something else. You're yielding it over to your fears. You're yielding it over to your, uh, your, your anxiety. You're, you're yielding it over to the lust of your eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. But you're yielding that, uh, that, that very real uh, uh, ability that God has given you. That way, when, when Paul the Apostle tells us that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives us strength, you know what that really means? That really means all things. That means that when he says he's given us all authority and all power and all dominion, he's, he's given us those things. That really means that. And so we've got to ask ourselves the question, if God is not a man that he should lie, and he's not the son of a man that he should repent, what's the problem? Folks, we don't have to look very far but through the mirror. Look inside the mirror and you'll see the problem is us. Is we're in the business so many times of not guarding ourselves, not guarding our hearts, not guarding our communication, not guarding our thought life. And so as a result, we yield these areas of our life over to the adversary. Then we're sitting there all befuddled and, and, and thinking, well, what happened? Well, what happened is you gave that area of dominion in your life. That's why the Scripture tells us that there's no temptation that comes upon you, but that which is common to all men. But with every Every temptation, He always provides a way of escape. And that way of escape is stepping back in to that area of authority, that area of dominion that can only come from being in right standing or walking in righteousness towards God. And so, with this yielding of this uh, of, of Adam's own free will, and, and he, when he submitted to a nature or the old man, and we talked about the, the sin nature uh, here in, in the book of Romans to, to really set the standard for this, what he did, he walked outside of the realm of the divine nature that God had breathed upon him initially. So you think about it. When God created him out of the dust of the earth, what did he do to bring life to him? He, he breathed upon him. Folks, we've talked about this now. I've said it because I want you to get it in your spirit so many times. This word right here, if it was, if it was written by holy men of own, it's inspired. It was, it was given the theonoustos. So what did he do? He took you from the dust of your situation. He took you from the dust of your despair. He took you from the dust of your failure. He took you from the dust of your discouragement. He took you from the dust of your sickness. And what did he do? He sent his word, he says, in which to heal us. And so he breathes upon us. And what happens? He calls it the washing and the regeneration of the word. And so when we come to him and God begins to breathe upon us the word of God, as we come and we submit ourselves to, 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 to the teaching of the Word of God, the instruction of the Word of God, what are we doing? We are, we, are, we are receiving the inhalation of the Spirit of God inside of us that allows us to take back that dominion. And so the question is, when you get into the Word of God, and I say it all the time, and I hope that you figure out eventually why I say these things like, get into the Word and the Word will get into you. Because if I put myself back into a position of right standing, what's going to happen? The dominion is going to come back into my life. The victory is going to come back into my life. Holiness is going to come back into my life. Power is going to come back into my life. Strength is going to come back into my life. Obedience is going to come back into my life. All those characteristics that are inherent to walking in that realm of obedience and dominion are going to be made manifest in me. So folks, listen, there is no substitute in no way around this Word. And so for people to say, you don't have to know the Word, yes you do. You will never walk in victory. You will never walk in power. You will never walk a consistent life of faith apart from this Word. You have got to find yourself totally independent upon that theonustos that God breathed into the dust of your life that, that when he breathed dust what did it do it formulated a man and it not just only formulated a man but it formulated a man with dominion it formulated a man with power it formulated a man that, that was qualified
glorified and uh, to, to walk with God in the cool of the day. Folks, the word is the exact same thing to you today. Whatever your situation is, whatever your, if you find your world void and without form and darkness upon the face of your situation, what happened? He spoke His word. And, and, and through that, the dust of the earth formulated your life. And so, folks, we sit here today as ones that, you're, yeah, it may be dark and void and without form and darkness upon the face of the deep, but God is speaking forth His word into your life, into your marriages, into your physical body, into your circumstance, into your ministry, into your children, all these things to breathe the life into it. So as you begin to explore the Word of God, as you begin to do that, and what we've talked about yesterday, even in this whole Roman letter, is we've got to come back to that place of dominion. We've got to come back to that place. And so when Adam yielded the dominion over, and, and what, what happened is the yielding over of dominion demanded that there be a price or a penalty paid in order to see it restored to its rightful place. There had to be something that, that paid the price to bring it back, to put it back into right standing. Charles Finney, I, I, you know, I love it. If you're not familiar with Charles Grandison Finney, Charles Finney was really... Uh, He's been called the America's greatest evangelist of all time. And, uh, uh, I, but I love his background. Charles Finney came from a, a, a legal background. He was a, he was a lawyer. And so if you've never studied any of the teachings or uh, Finney's uh, 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 systematic theology or the companion book, The Heart of Truth, I encourage you to get on the Internet, get on eBay, you can find it. I mean, I, I love reading from dead people. Charles Finney lived in the, in the late 1700s, 1800s. And so it's, his, his teachings on the Word of God have stood the test of time. But he would actually go into cities and... And he had, uh, he had a man that would go in and pray before him into the city. Then he would go in and begin to preach the word. Whole cities would get saved. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I'm talking about before the age of mass media. I'm talking about before the age of amplified sound. I'm talking about before the age of big tent revivals and all these things. I'm talking about going into a city and preaching under the, the, the authority of the dominion of the Holy Spirit and seeing factories shut down because such conviction came upon the factory workers. I'm, I'm talking about bars shutting down because there was no one there to patronize the bars any longer. And so he, he went in and he preached a, a message of holiness and of righteousness and truth. And with Charles Finney, and this is just kind of a tidbit of information, the, the modern altar call was really began with Finney's ministry. He called it the anxious seat. Because before that, it, it, what had happened, there had been this dilution of the gospel. And so it was always, it never was talking to you, much like what you see today. And it became just this feel good and they'd talk about things, but they'd never point the finger and say, well, what about your sin? What about your life? Now Finney turned the tables and he had these piercing blue eyes that would literally, they said, would look through people. And so he began to preach and he noticed that these people were just, they, they didn't know what to do with it. And so he took a chair and just put it and he said, this is the anxious seat. If he said, there's an anxiety coming upon you and you've got to run to God, he said, this can be the physical manifestation of that or representation of that. And people would actually come and get in that seat and they'd cry out to God. Then afterwards, after the service, they would meet in the, in the, in the drawing room of a house or whatever and he'd discuss the Word of God with them at length. And so, but he used a very descriptive terminology when he discussed this issue that we're talking about, this dominion. And which is uh, really in the, in the whole issue that we're talking about of, of winning back or demanding a payment to be pray, uh, paid to, to re, uh, restore that dominion is, is, is really the whole issue of the atonement. And so we talked about the atonement. I may do a whole class just on the atonement. And I talked about it quite a bit at one point. But I may do some more on the issue of the atonement just to keep it fresh in your heart. Or the atoning for the sin or the yielding over of the dominion to the adversaries. So there had to be an atonement. But the terminology that he used was the term public justice. Public justice. And obviously he took that from his background as a lawyer. But for me, it really sums something up. When I, when I was my first two years of college, I worked for an attorney's office. So maybe that's why it, it, it means so much to me. And before I entered the ministry, my desire was to be a, be a, be a lawyer and to... And to, to, to to, to work in that capacity. But when he used this term public justice, now I want to give you something because with all these legal shows on television, what was it? I mean, back in the day, what was it? Judge Wapner with the divorce court said it. Now you got court TV. And so people are really, you see all these live uh, uh, courts, you saw the OJ trials and all these things that are, so people are really familiar with legal terminology. So that's why I really love Finney. But what he, what was described was that for every transgression, that there was then demanded a certain retribution to take place in order to not only atone or to cover the transgression, but to also to satisfy or restore public trust in righteousness. And I want to say that again. What public justice was, was that there demanded a certain retribution to take place in order for not only to atone or to cover the transgression, but to satisfy or to restore public trust in righteousness. Now folks, why is that important? It's because of this. 
It's say, for instance, that somebody went out and murdered someone on the street. And they went into the courtroom and uh, the judge said, listen, you know what, you did such a, a terrible thing. So we want, what we want you to do is to just pay a fine and go on about your way. What's going to happen? The, the, you're going to lose the public trust. The public trust is going to say, listen, there was a crime committed, but really there's no one that really cares. This individual went out and murdered somebody in cold blood. And while there was a fine, while there was something that kind of paid the price on, on, on a small level, really what's happened is this person has been released back to continue that. Folks, listen, public trust would break down. If, if you went out and, say, for instance, you were driving down the highway and the speed limit was 55 miles an hour, and there's a highway patrolman standing right there next to his little, his little motorcycle with a radar gun, and you're running 90, and he, he, he clocks you at, at running uh, 90 miles an hour, and you're thinking to yourself, boy, he's going to pull me over, and he just waves you on by with a friendly, you're going to zoom on by. And you know what's going to happen the next time? You're not even going to tap your brakes. Why? Because you don't have, you don't have any trust that he's going to do anything. And so if, if there's a school zone, there's no trust because you're going to do what you want to. Why? Because there, there's no penalty. There's nothing. So folks, listen, when, 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 when the atonement came, when, when Jesus came and this whole restoration of, of, of not only paying the, the penalty to win back the dominion, but there had to be something that was going to restore the trust. That's why we look here in this day and age and we see all these things that are happening on the national level. Level with national leaders. And what does that do? When you have a national leader that's... And you can go back to 20, 25 years with the things that happened with, with, with Gorman, things that happened with Baker and Swagger and different ones, the Tiltons, all these type of things that happened that begin to, 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 to dilute really the, the public trust or, or the public uh, uh, trust in, in righteousness. And so people say, well, look at them. They're the standard bearers. They're the ones that are doing it. Then you look at, uh, what was it, the, na- the president of the National Evangel- uh, uh, Association of Evangelicals got caught in a homosexual tryst. And you see all these things that are happening. The, 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 the scamming Christians out of money. And so what's happening? Public trust is broken down in relationship to the righteousness of God which is preached through the church. And so as a result of that, what happens? You go to preach the gospel and there's not the conviction of sin. You preach the gospel and there's no, there's no reverence for holiness. You go out and you're standing on a street corner in the midst of a... you know. 10,000 motorcycle riders and you've got a cross and people don't stop and, and think, you know what, that represents what Jesus did. Instead, they shake their hand and they shake their fist and they begin to make snide remarks. Why? Because, folks, listen, the, the public trust has been violated. It's been breached. And the standard has not yet been lifted up through the lives and the preaching of gospel. Because why? The church has hidden themselves. Even those that are righteous many times have hidden themselves behind the, the walls and there's not been the public demonstration of righteousness that calls those things out that says, listen, I don't care that person's on television. That is contrary to the Word of God. I don't care if that person has a great following. That is contrary to the Word of God. I don't care if that person has a lot of money. I don't care if that person is enormously gifted. It is contrary to the holiness and the righteousness of God. And so the public trust has been broke down in the Gospel. And so what, what Christ Jesus came for and what the atonement was for was to come and provide a, a, a provocative element that's going to provoke people back to a trust in holiness and in righteousness. Folks, that's why when you get into the the Word of God. You can look at the things that happen in the world. You can look at things that happen in churches. You can look at things that happen in ministry. But when I go to the Word of God and I begin to look at the person, the character of Christ Jesus, when I begin to look at those that faithfully followed after Him, what does it do? It builds up my faith. It begins to put my trust back where it needs to be. And so, what that whole thing demanded was, like I said, it, it demanded for every transgression that there was a, a certain retribution to take place. But not only that, but there had to be something that was going to restore public trust in righteousness. And folks, what this involves... Uh, or is talking about is that when there's a violation of God's character that takes place, that this creates really a schism or a division within the community. And this community, really as it relates to the kingdom of God, is, is held together by righteousness. And when righteousness is breached, then it is only righteousness that can repair the breach. Can I say that again? When God created the community of righteousness in the garden, when there was a, a breach in that righteousness, the only thing that could repair that breach was once again an act of righteousness. And so, in, in otherwise, the, the breach remains. I want to read the scripture to you. It's out of the uh, book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, verses 29 through 31. 22, 29 through 31. And I pray that this is, I know, I know this is some, uh, uh, some stuff, so to speak, but I, but I hope you can, you're, you're going to get a hold of this because it's going to really, I think it's going to serve you not just now, but later on. 
In Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 29 through 31, it says, The people of land have used oppression, and they've exercised robbery, and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Folks, it wasn't just with Ezekiel. Think about that today. The people of land have used oppression. They actually have. Look at this world. They've exercised robbery. They, they've stole you. They, 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 they steal through, uh, through, through public policy. They steal through, through inflation. They steal through, through, uh, through fleecing the flocks. All these things. They have vexed the poor and the needy. Yes, they have oppressed the stranger even wrongfully. And it says in verse 30, it says, And I have sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge, that re- should restore that place. And one that would stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. Or that I should not have to dole out or, or issue the edict of punishment uh, or, the, or the response to the breach. He said, but I found none. He said, I looked for one to make up the hedge. He said, I looked for one to stand in the gap so that I would not have to destroy it, so that I would not have to slam the gavel down and say, you're guilty, there's no hope. He said, but I could not, uh, I found none. It says in verse 31, it says, Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fires of my wrath. Their own way. Which way? Their own way. Why does it say that, folks? Because God is not mocked. Listen, be not deceived. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. There's got to be retribution. And so if there's, if there's not something to stand in the gap, if there's not something to repair the breach, the only thing that's going to happen is what flows out is going to flow back in with equal proportion. And he said, they, uh, he said their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. Folks, if there is no repairing of the breach, then there must be a recompense or a yielding up of a like consequence for the offense that has taken place. And so, uh, Newton stole it with his laws of physics. He said, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. That's the case unless there's something there standing in the gap that's going to damper it, that's going to, that's going to filter it, that's going to receive the brunt of it. And so if I open up the floodgates and I close the dam, does that mean that the water's not there? No. It means that there's something there that's going to bear the pressure of it. There's something back that's going to hold back the tide. And so when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. It's that standard that Christ Jesus gave us at the cross of Calvary. It's that one that, that, that dampered it, the one that, that held it back, that kept us from receiving the just recompense of our reward based upon our own folly, our own failure, our own, our own sin nature. And so as we spoke of the issue of why did God choose Israel for the task of presenting uh, the, the, really the repair of the breach is because no one was found to stand in the gap. Because there was none that could offer, really, folks, the equitable righteousness that was required to make full payment for this offense against the holiness of God. So God called out Abram. He called out a people. He said, I'm going to begin to establish something through his posterity, a system of laws that would make man aware of the standard. See, folks, listen. Man had become oblivious to the standard. Man had become oblivious of the transgression. Man did not even see these things. Man did not even realize that there was a consequence. Man did not even realize that, that there was a, a responsibility, that there was, was a breach at all. Why? Because they just think that, that, that this breach or this deficiency had just been so interwoven in the fabric of who they were, they just learned to live with it. And so all the, 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 the bruises and the bumps and all these things of sin that was up on their soul, they just thought that was normal. Why? Because they never saw anything different. They uh, began to live with it. Folks, listen, there's probably issues in your life that, that really you just call them your personality, you just call them the way it is, you just call them your upbringing, that are sin. That there are things that, 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 that are these things that you've just kind of learned to cohabit with. You're, you're, you're short-tempered, you're divisive, you're, you're, a, uh, you're an introvert. And so you call these things righteousness or you just call them, that's just your personality. Folks, listen, that's not how the body of Christ was designed to be. We're designed for community. We're designed to be a part of one another, each one supplying the needs of one another. And that comes down from the headship of Christ Jesus. When that's not flowing, what happens? There's, there's been a breach in community. There's a defense. There's a schism. There's a division. There's something that's taking place. And so God called Abram, Abram out of your the Chaldees to set this system in, in, in place. And so He created the environment and really the knowledge 
knowledge of sin through the giving of the law. The Word of God tells us that, that sin or the law is our schoolmaster. That without the, the, the law, there's no knowledge of sin. So He gave the law that sin might abound, that it, you could be aware that there was a breach to begin with. And so He created the environment, really the knowledge of sin, so that when the Son of Man came, who is obviously Jesus, that, that, that a world would be without excuse and that the conviction of sin unto salvation would produce the requisite and necessary and appropriate atoning benefits of the blood to, who, to anybody that would receive it by faith. And so he presented this package, he presented this standard, he presented this law. And so that when Jesus showed up on the scene, there was something to measure it against. And so when he said, this is how your character ought to be, this is how you ought to act, this is all the things you should not do, then now someone finally showed up after all these years that could walk those things out, that say, you should not, he's not. You should be this, he's being that. You should do this, he did that. And so Jesus came and he met the, uh, the requisite and the equitable standard for righteousness to stand in the gap and to be that one. Folks, I want to say this and write this down for us, Deb. Dominion is always tied to obedience. Dominion is always tied to obedience. And obedience is always tied to submission. Dominion is always tied to obedience. And obedience is always tied to submission. Folks, in order for the dominion to be claimed back righteously, then there had to be an equal act of obedience that demonstrated the submission to the standard that had been violated in the garden. I want to say that again. In order for the dominion, the power, the ability, the strength, the, the purpose, the plan, the, 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 the commission to be claimed back righteously, then there had to be an equal act of obedience that demonstrated the submission to the standard that had been violated in the garden. What was the standard that was violated? It was the highest standard possible. It was the standard that, that allowed you not to, to cower from God, but to walk with God uh, in the cool of the day. I mentioned last night on our program out of uh, Exodus chapter 33, it spoke about Moses and it said that, that Moses spoke to God face to face. It said God, that Moses went into the tabernacle and it says within the confines of that tabernacle that he spoke to God face to face as a man spoke to his friend. But it says that he departed from the tabernacle and he began to continue a conversation with God. And it says later on, God spoke to him, Moses he said, what can I do for you? And he said, I want to see your glory. And in that same chapter, the 33rd chapter, I believe it is, of the book of Exodus, it says that God told him, he said, you cannot see my face and live. No one can see my face and live. And you think, is that a paradox? Is that a, a, a contradiction? No, and I told them what the Lord showed me is, listen, when God is able to speak to you face to face, when God is able to, to restore to you that, that, that rightful place without a breach, is only when you are tabernacling with Him. That's what I'm talking about, that community. And so when the community's there, when the relationship is there, when there's no breach because of unrighteousness, what? I can now speak to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Now there's righteousness that's flowing into my life. Now there's holiness that's falling into my life. Now there's power that's flowing into my life. Now now there's dominion and strength and victory that's flowing into my life. But once I cease to tabernacle with Him through fear, through doubt, through lust, through unbelief, through whatever else, what happens? I, I cease to see God face to face as a man seeks to his friend, speaks to his friend. And God cannot, we, I can't look to Him eye to eye. Why? Because I've lost my perspective on who God is. But when I come back to a place of tabernacle, and who has become, we, who do we tabernacle with? Jesus. He's become our tabernacle. He's become the one. And so now I find myself... Uh, restored to that place. But think about this. God gave the law to Moses through the lineage, obviously, of Abraham who believed God's Word to him and that belief or that obedient submission to God's mandate was accounted to Abraham uh, uh, as, as faith. But not as really as restorative righteousness because the full payment had not yet been made. It was accounted unto him faith, but it wasn't to the degree that, okay, everything's said and done, everything's settled, it's great. But it, but it, was, it, it was put as really kind of a temporary restraining order against the adversary. And so, but rather than covering righteousness, that, uh, uh, but, but rather than atoning and paying the full penalty, what it did would prod a covering for the unrighteousness. You hear what I'm saying? And so that atonement became just a, a, a covering or sort of a prepayment or a qualifying act to entitle him to receive the full payment when it would actually be made. And so the righteousness that was under the law was a righteousness that looked forward towards the full payment. It looked forward and it said, listen, there's, there's something that is going to cover me now, but something that's going to happen that's not just going to cover me, but it's going to transform me. That's why when John tells us that He won't just be with you, He will be in you. It won't be just be 
see something that covers you outside with you, but He's going to come inside of you and restore you to that place of right standing with God. He's going to restore you. You're going to be the bride of Christ now. Why is it so important that we as Gentiles are called the bride of Christ? Why? Because He gives us the picture of the husband and the wife. Do you not know that that flesh will no longer be two, but they shall be one? They will tabernacle with one another. And so if he's in Christ and I'm in him, what happens? Now I'm moving back into the realm of dominion. And it says that, that what God has joined together. Look, we speak of it in the marriage covenant, but really it's speaking of spiritual things according to Ephesians chapter 5. And so we come back and what God has joined together, don't let anybody put asunder. Don't ever breach that once. Don't ever breach it through your, your unbelief. Don't ever breach it through laziness. Don't ever breach it by failure to get into the Word. Don't breach it by not praying. Don't breach it by not remaining in, 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 in the community of, of the bond of the believers and, and loving the body of Christ and being obedient to the Word of God. Don't breach those things. Why? Because it's just like a, a, a spiritual infidelity. It's just like becoming in a separation that's hurtful. It's just like being in a divorce that, that divides. And so when, when Christ Jesus came, what did He do? He called us now. Boom! We're His bride. We're no longer servants. We're, we're no longer uh, apart from Him. We're no longer just somebody that looks at Him from afar. But God begins to hedge us together. He begins to bring us together. He provides that, that place of, 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 of the qualifying act that entitles us to walk in the full dominion that He has for us. Folks, listen. Because dominion is tied to obedience and obedience is tied to submission, what happens is we see this revealed work of the, what Jesus did uh, on our behalf. Now look at this. This is out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-13. through 13. Philippians 2, 5-13. But I want you to hear this in, in, in regards to what I said. Dominion is tied to obedience, and obedience is tied to submission. He said, we, and we gave the Scripture yesterday, part of it. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Why is that important? Because as a man thinketh what? So is he. And so let the mind be in you. If, I, if, if I'm thinking, if my mind has been changed, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove out what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, that's not three wills. It's not, oh, I'm just going to do the good one, I'm going to do the acceptable, I'm going to do the perfect. Everything about God is always good, it's always acceptable, it's always perfect. And so, But I've got to get the mind of, uh, of God to be able to have that and to walk in that. Because dominion is tied to obedience, obedience is tied to submission, we see the revealed work in that Jesus did this on our behalf. And I want you to read this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Remember, we talked about this yesterday. But it said, He made Himself of no reputation, and it took upon Him the form of the servant, and was made in the likeness of men. What was He made in the likeness of? of? The one that lost the dominion. Okay? And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became what? He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Folks, listen. That obedience, what? It brought us back to a place of qualifying dominion once again. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted Him and given Him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of who? Jesus... Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and, and, and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, there's that obedience right there once again, not in my presence only, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Folks, listen. What this act of willful obedience on the part of Jesus Christ did was literally to satisfy the righteous requirements of this public justice and to restore the spiritual trust that is necessary for dominion to once again be realized. And so when Jesus did that, trust was restored. And so I could put my trust in Him. I can now trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not upon my own understanding. If I knowledge Him in all my ways, then He's going to direct my paths. And so when Jesus died, when He lived a, a, a sinless life and He died, vicariously for me on the cross and three days later he got up out of that grave and now he sits at the right hand of power what did it do it created an atmosphere an environment that would restore public trust I can trust in him why because he's holy I can trust in what he says because he's righteous I can trust in him because he's faithful I can trust in him because he never fails I can trust in him because he's holy I can trust in him because he's righteous I can trust in him because he never fails look and that echoes through the ages and through the timeless past why my trust Trust is restored because God can do everything but fail. And so it was restored. So folks, listen. It took God sending the second Adam to demonstrate this obedience because all the subsequent efforts apart from this proved really to be futile. But really that was by design. And so you had Abraham that came. 
He had faith and it was accounted in him righteousness, but he failed. He became a liar. We had Moses who, uh, who was meek and he spoke to God face to face as a man spoke to his friend, but he failed when he smote the rock the second time and didn't enter in the promised land. We had David who was a man after God's own heart. There was a man that, that, that sung psalms and hymns and choruses, but he was a, a murderous adulterer. We had, we had Elijah who was called out and spoke and did many miracles and was really kind of a, a, a Old Testament type of a John the Baptist, a forerunner for those type of things. But we found him discouraged and despondent and thinking that he was the only one. Folks, listen, we saw all those things happening. We saw the failure. Folks, listen, all their efforts really demonstrated that they had one marked flaw that undermined the standard of complete righteousness and could never satisfy the righteous requirements that stood in place prior to the fall. And you know what that one flaw was? It's called original sin. They were conceived, as David said, the 51st Psalm. In sin, they were conceived in their mother's womb. In iniquity, they were conceived. And in, in, in darkness. Folks, listen. Because there was that flaw, it, what it did, it, 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 it made them not be able to totally demonstrate and walk in the righteous fulfillment. So what did God do? In Romans chapter 8, verses 3, to, uh, 3 through 10. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh... God sending His own Son, once again, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Whose Spirit? The same Spirit that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead. The Spirit of righteousness, the Spirit of power, the Spirit of holiness, the Spirit of dominion. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity, it's division against God, and it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not of the flesh any longer, you're of the Spirit. So what are you of? You're of the Spirit. And if I I'm of the Spirit, I'm of obedience. If I'm of obedience, I'm of dominion. If I'm of, of dominion, I'm in that place of, 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 of su- submission under the, the work and the hand of God. If I'm not in the flesh, the flesh will not submit. The flesh will not obey. And as a result, the flesh will never have dominion. But if I'm walking in that place of submission, then I'm going to see obedience in my life. And the consequence is going to be that God is going to reveal His dominion in my life and my power. So when you begin to read Romans 8 again, you begin to read Philippians 2, again. You need to see it in the light of what he's saying. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of, is life because of righteousness. And so, folks, listen, if we are genuinely born again, we're not going to walk under the dominion of sin. We're not going to walk under the dominion of the flesh. We're not going to walk under the dominion of weakness. Whatever you want to call it, what are we going to do? We're going to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. This is the victory that's going to allow us to overcome the world, even our faith. Faith in what? Faith in the, the strength of our own hand? No. Faith in that public justice was satisfied when the Lord Jesus Christ came and He was born of a virgin, that He lived a sinful life, that He did miracles and many signs and wonders followed Him, that He died and it was witnessed of him, over 500 people that, that He rose again after the third, third day and now He sits at the right hand of power. Why? Because everything was satisfied. And when I put my faith in, the, the, in, in, in what Jesus did in His rightful, righteous act of obedience, what happens now? I'm in union with Him. I'm back into communion. I'm back in community. I'm back in the tabernacle where Moses found himself able to speak to God face to face as a man spoke to his friend. If you're not, you're not walking in dominion. That means you're not walking in obedience. That means that there's some area of your life that is not submitted unto the hand of God. Folks, listen. I believe this is really a good place to bring up this point. Many will say that Jesus had to suffer every imaginable sin or every punishment for sin of mankind to be paid for. And and so anything that could happen to somebody had to happen to Him. I've heard people teach this. And what it's led to, it's led to a lot of erroneous teaching, destructive teaching. uh, And and really the fact of the matter is that's not the case. They said, you know what? Since God would pay for, for somebody child molesting, Chances are he was a, he was malignant. Folks, listen, that is just a lie straight from the pit of hell. You hear what I'm saying? John 1.29 says this. It says, John saw Jesus. And it says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Okay? Folks, here's the deal. When Jesus died, because of His righteousness, because of who He was, anything that was committed against Him was undeserved. Period. If they would have walked up to his hand and smacked his hand, in the scope of things, 
that really heaven would have been satisfied. Why? Because he who knew no sin became a sin offering. He became the tola. He became the offering for us. And so whatever was placed upon him to whatever degree, but what did God do? He raised the standard so high that he said, listen, he's going to be obedient and not just obedient to walk in righteousness, which in and of itself was the power of God to give a demonstration. But he's going to be obedient even unto the death of the cross. Why? Because what I opened the class with, it's going to serve not as a testimony just for those that are around now, those that see it, but it's going to serve as the testimony for the ages to pass. That way, if there would ever be an angel such as Lucifer that would rise up and say, listen, I want to ascend above the Most High, that the host of heaven would say, listen, did you not see what He did on the cross? Did you not see the power that He demonstrated? Would you not see that He went to that degree? Folks, it's going to echo. And that's why the cross is so important. That's why so many, uh, so many false religions get away from the cross. They deny the cross. They deny the atonement. That's why even within the ranks of Christianity, the people want to diminish and, and say that it wasn't finished at the cross of Calvary. Why? Because that's a sinister plot of the adversary that wants to take us away from that place of dominion. That's why Galatians, I quote it here all the time, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. When I identify with the finished work of dominion upon the cross, even the obedience under those things, and I deny myself daily, take up my cross and follow Him. Now what am I doing? Now I'm submitted to Him. Now I'm obedient to Him. Now I can walk in dominion and victory over the sin nature. In Isaiah 53, and I'm going to close with this. It says, Who's believed our report, and who is the arm of the Lord being revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground, and he will have no form of comeliness. And when we will see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, he's going to be beating, beaten beyond recognition. He has despised and rejected men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have all turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. God laid upon him. Folks, listen, what this speaks of right here in Isaiah 53, it speaks of him, Jesus, being qualified to atone because of his unique nature of who he was. The penalty did not have to be kind of an eye for an eye or tit for a tap penalty because of who Jesus was. His righteousness far exceeded in every aspect the unrighteousness of man. Do you hear me? The righteousness of God exceeds all of the unrighteousness of man. And so one solitary act of obedience on his part, even the obedience to the death of the cross, trumped all the cumulative acts of disobedience that man could or would ever commit to. So folks, listen, when we come to that place, we've got to say to ourselves, God, I'm putting faith in the one solitary place that my faith can be placed upon. I'm putting my faith in that one place that I can have dominion. I can be restored to a right relationship with Him. Folks, listen, I'm just calling you. Get, let the mind of Christ be in you. Come back to that place where you're tabernacling with Him that you can speak to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Folks, we're totally out. I told you there was going to be a whole lot to that today, but I'm hoping you're, kind of, you're going to get it because I needed to, to kind of lay the groundwork for that. And, and the chance of you being able to absorb all that right off the bat are probably slim to them because that's a whole lot of uh, information. You really need to get into that word and allow that word to kind of uh, sizzle in you, and allow it to kind of uh, germinate within your heart. And uh, we're going to we're going to continue along that that vein in the next few days, and and hopefully get you a better understanding of that. But we really need to because I believe as God begins to speak certain things, the the the, uh, the whole philosophy and the whole attitude, the doctrine behind that is going to come alive to you, folks. Listen, I got one bit of advice for you today: get into God's word, and God's word will get into you.